Good afternoon, Chuck Morse, the Morse Force. Welcome to the program. I am trying to be consistent about doing this program every afternoon at 12 noon exactly, but of course, internet being what it is, and I'm, I know I'm old school, but in today's day and age, one doesn't have to do it every day at that exact time. However, I'm trying to make that a habit, trying to reach at least three, if not four, um, days per week on weekdays where I go live on Facebook. Uh, just to uh, for, for program note, the program is then downloaded into YouTube. Please join the YouTube channel, subscribe to it. Um, and also it goes out to a bunch of syndicating entities like iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and a group of others. So I'm excited to mention that I am now I'm now conducting an experiment that I hope is going to result in a live program with phone calls in that uh, I believe I can take phone calls through Skype. Now, I mean, I know, again, I'm like a troglodyte when it comes to this stuff. I'm a knuckle dragger, you know, so I don't, you know, so you'll have to be patient with me. But I'm going to try it and I'm going to give out the Skype number. And if you call that number, I believe you will come through and be on the air with me where we can discuss issues. So let me give out the Skype number. You're welcome to call um, 617-396-4830. That number again is 617-396-4830. Now, the first caller is going to get a free copy, a signed copy of my book. I published, it was published by WorldNet Daily, excuse me, The, uh, the Nazi Connection to Islamic Terrorism. Um, and um, I'm giving this free to the first caller to the program. Of course, you'll have to email me your mailing address so I can get it to you. Um, again, the, uh, join the program. We are live here at Facebook. Um, the number is 617-396-4830. Now, the issue I want to bring up today is one that uh, it just really rankles me and it's, it's, it frightens me. And that is this continual charge that President Donald Trump and his so-called base, his followers, the people who voted for him, um, have something against black people. Um, you know, they don't like black men and women. They're racist. And, uh, you know, I think that this is a, a drumbeat that um, goes to, um, you know, uh, it's classic. Um, now, there was, a, I, I bring it up now because there was a woman I heard last night on with um, Sue O'Connell on the take here locally on cable TV. She's a very good talk show host. Very liberal, very fair, however, where she interviewed a woman named Brianna Wu, who is an, um, described as an American video game developer. Um, I guess she, I guess she, um, she's quite wealthy. She ran for office. And Brianna Wu talked about the Republic, this movement, Republicans, Donald Trump, as being so racist 
that it's like a return to Jim Crow. It's almost like you think she was talking about slavery. Um, no, the book, you have to call. Sorry about that. But I'm doing this because I really want to see about getting calls. So I'm getting a message from, actually, he's a candidate for the presidency of the United States. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have him on the program. But you're certainly welcome to call the show. 617-396-4830. 617-396-4830. Now, this insidious charge is a lie. It is one of the big lies of our times. It has not just been leveled against Donald Trump. It's been leveled against anyone that doesn't genuflect to the left, anyone that doesn't support the Democratic Party. It was leveled against Mitt Romney. It was leveled against John McCain when he was a candidate for president. It was leveled against Bob Dole, probably, when he ran against Bill Clinton. It was certainly leveled against George W. Bush. We might remember the commercials when Bush was running for president in 2000, which showed um, a woman saying, George Bush killed my father. Her father happened to be an African-American man who was murdered by extreme white supremacist racists, and his body was dragged in the back of a truck. And she basically said, George Bush killed my father because he was governor of Texas at the time. Now, Bush responded to that quite brilliantly, and he said, actually, uh, I supported the death penalty for these criminals if they were convicted. And I believe that they were convicted and they were executed for this capital crime. So, you know, it's a charge that goes way back. It's a charge that's leveled at anyone that doesn't genuflect to the left. And it's become extreme and, and a virtual gospel since President Trump was elected and even before during the campaign, that he's got something against black men and women. He's got something against Jews. He's got something against women. He's got something against gay people. In other words, you know, he's a hater. Now, I, need to, I think we need to take a look at it, you know, rationally. We need to look at the facts because these are very serious charges. You know, they're the kinds of charges that can destroy a person's career. They can destroy a person's life. Nobody, uh, other than maybe some real nutcakes that you might find under a rock somewhere, wants to be called these things. Now, I'm not here to suggest that racism, anti-Semitism, homophobia, misandry, you know, whatever, um, you know, anti-woman attitudes, that those don't exist. They do. They always will. You know, you can't eradicate those things. They were, they were a, an expression of the darker side of our nature. And that, yes, we have to be concerned if any of those things become a part of public policy. You know, that's, that's a very dangerous trend. And it's something that it has happened in this country historically. Um, I would suggest that less so than any other society in history and that in America, those sorts of movements are the exception and not the rule. But nevertheless, yes, they happen because they reflect, as I say, a dark side of human nature and one that can at times become predominant in a society and in a political system. But I think that there are interest groups today 
and they are on the left and they are democratic that have a vested interest in not only keeping racism alive, but fanning the flames of racism for political gain. That's why they call Donald Trump a racist, because they gain from that politically. It galvanizes their base. They are, you know, they're, they're back. By the way, I'm getting a, a note here from from the, an emailer um, that uh, who says that um, the racists are the Democrats. Absolutely. Certainly historically, the party of slavery, the party of Jim Crow. But more currently, it is their policies that have hurt black people and that have hurt other minorities. Um, and that they keep racism alive because it allows them to continue to divide societies and to attack their enemies. Anyone who doesn't agree with them can be called that. Now, what do I mean by their policies hurting minorities? What I would suggest is that uh, if you take a look at black progress up until the 1950s, early 1960s, it was substantial in this country. That racism was rapidly becoming less and less a factor in this country. Uh, black people in, in the face of real racism, you know, like legal government-sponsored racism, in, which expresses itself in the form of Jim Crow laws and other horrendous um, vestiges of, a, of an ugly time, that these things are being challenged by a largely Christian, largely conservative movement that was led by the late, great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a Protestant minister, and the, uh, the uh, Southern Conference of Christian Ministers, I forget what it was called, it was headed by Ralph Abernathy, also a Protestant minister. And it was bringing to the fore the fact that racism is immoral. It goes against God's law, which recognizes that all men and women are created in the image of God, regardless of your, the circumstance of your birth. It's not relevant. You know, whether or not, you know, your skin tone or your ethnic background. We're all equal under, under God. We're all in the image of God. And out of that idea came the American ethos, which is that, as expressed by Thomas Jefferson in the uh, Declaration of Independence, that all men are created equal. This is a profound Judaic, Judeo-Christian idea. And uh, by the way, not to get into a topic here, but... It completely runs contrary to the evolutionary science, which says that we're all at different rungs of the evolutionary chain and that some of us are more evolved than others. We could talk about the science of, of evolution at another time. I'm, I'm bringing this up more of a philosophical issue as a, as a theological issue that is the basis of our, of our republic in America. Now, we've struggled with it ever since. Obviously, we had slavery at the time, which was sort of grandfathered in from colonial times. And that slavery increased in the South due to the cotton gin and, and other factors, and that there was certainly racism in the North. 
but that was an idea that was held by people who were not consistent with the American approach. Now we bring, let me dial it up to more modern times, uh, which is what I started talking about. Uh, that by the 1950s, after the, after the Second World War, and you had the integration of the military affected by President Truman uh, under the advice of General Dwight Eisenhower, after sports began to be integrated with Jackie Robinson being uh, brought in as a player with the Brooklyn Dodgers by their, their head of their, their, their group, which was, happened to be Christian, and, and other advances. I mean, at that point, you had developing in this country, which had always, had always been there, a really growing black middle class, black upper middle class, black property owners, business owners. Black people were really beginning to participate in all aspects of the American dream, all of the blessings and benefits of being an American citizen. And it was moving in that direction quite rapidly, and thank God it's continued moving in that direction. But then in the 19, mid-1960s, after the passage of the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, both of which were, were Republican ideas going back to the Civil War, and both of which were repudiated by the Goldwater Republicans, much, which is a terrible political mistake. They didn't do it because they were against civil rights. They did it because they didn't like some of the other things that were being baked into the civil rights movement that they felt would move the country more towards socialism. And in that sense, they were correct. However, by repudiating the entire body, they were missing a very basic point, which is that it had been up until that point a Republican ideal to get rid of institutional racism. Um, so by doing that, they lost generations of African-Americans and liberals who shifted their allegiance to the, the Democratic Party. Um, at the same time, you had high-level Democrats who had been racists shift their allegiance to the Republican Party, which was more enlightened. So you had two things going on, but the big mistake was the shift to the Democratic Party because of the stupid and wrongheaded policy of opposing the Republican-authored and created Civil Rights Act of 1965. But once the left really took over the reins of power in terms of our social uh, entities, a social contract, they began to implement policies that hurt African-Americans and by extension, other minorities. They hurt African-American business by supporting higher taxes, by supporting more regulation, which made it more difficult for people to get in business. It made it more difficult for small businesses to expand. It made it more difficult for banks to lend money to small businesses and to startups. It hurt business on levels that they can't even be expressed. And that particularly hurts black business and minority business and smaller business who are just beginning to emerge from a generation of race, of, 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 of institutionalized racism and beginning to really flex their muscle and develop 
and infrastructure. Um, the attitudes, the anti-business attitudes of the left, which came to dominate the, uh, the Democratic Party, that hurt black business. It hurt black entrepreneurship, entrepreneurialism. The left also hurt the black church. The black church, I would suggest, had been on the forefront of Christianity in this country. They had the moral and ethical authority to save Christianity in many ways in America by reinvigorating it, by inspiring it, particularly the Protestant churches, probably Catholicism also, probably Judaism to an extent. And the left, starting in the 1960s, with their infiltration of the National Council of Churches and with their, you know, the, the pro-communist left, they damaged the black church. Margaret Sanger damaged the black church in the 1930s with the Negro Project, knowing that she couldn't push abortion in the black community as a white activist, so she would they arranged to pay off black ministers and corrupt them in exchange for their introducing abortion into their churches. This was while the Margaret Sanger and her group Planned Parenthood were building abortion clinics in black neighborhoods. Why did she do that? She did it because she was racist. She felt that black people were, as she wrote in one of her journals, part of a quote, dysgenic race. And she also collaborated with uh, Fritz Rudin, who was a major theoretician for the Nazis in the 1930s. But let's not go there. That's another subject. The point I'm making here is that the left damaged the you know, several pillars of the black community. They damaged black business with their anti-business, uh, anti-high tax, high regulation policies. They damaged the black church by taking away its moral authority through corruption and through anti-religious orientation and beliefs, a belief in anti-God actually. They damaged black families with their nationalizing of welfare. Now welfare is appropriate, I would argue, um, not just as a private charity, but also as a public question. If it's handled by local communities and by states, perhaps, so that people at a local level can be handled with dignity if they fall through the cracks, if they can't sustain themselves. They can be helped as individuals. They can be, we can address their individual needs. Maybe they're in trouble because they have no family. They don't have private benefactors who can help them. They are, we don't want people in this country to be homeless. We don't want people in this country to be hungry. We don't want people to be suffering in this country. We're one of the richest societies in history. We are the richest. But the best way to address that level of poverty is through local charities and local governments, working with local charities and local businesses. Um, instead, the left sought a nationalization of charity calling it, quote, welfare, and it ended up treating people like they were numbers. It didn't treat the individual and their unique needs. Instead, you just had to sign up and you would get a set amount of money. Uh, you know, I recently read that uh, there were some economists who believed 
starting in the 1960s, that this would improve the gross domestic product because it would put more dollars into the economy, which would then go to consumption. And technically that's true, but instead of being oriented toward developing work skills, developing business structure that would be able to absorb people who wanted to work, instead it basically created consumption, it created consumers, it paid people in a sense, in fact, more than in a sense, in reality, it paid people not to work. Now, I don't blame the average person for accepting that money. You know, somebody's banging on your door and saying, hey, come on out, I got a check here for you. You take the check, I would. I blame the government, I blame the left-wing government and their policies for setting up a system by which people would be corrupted in that way. They, they would be offered this money. And um, you had left-wing groups um, dur and during the, after the Johnson administration, when it was given to these nonprofit groups like ACORN, they would go door to door and sign people up for welfare. Um, the result was a demoralization, particularly of minority communities, because they're more vulnerable. And of course, today you have liberal activists who will point to you and say, well, more white people than black people are on welfare. And that's true. I mean, technically, but the fact is that if you take a look at the proportion of the population, I think that uh, black people make up maybe 3%, maybe 5% of the population of the entire nation. So what percentage of black people are in welfare versus white? The fact I'm, the point I'm trying to make here is that black people were specifically and deliberately targeted for this welfare program under the guise that there was something altruistic about it. There was something good about it. And the result is that it damaged the black family. Okay, let me give out the number. You're welcome to call in. This is a live program and I am taking calls. You're welcome to join me, Chuck Morse, The Morse Force, Monday through Friday, 12 noon, most of the days, at 617-396-4830. Six one seven three nine six four eight three zero. What is on your mind this afternoon? I'm giving a free book, my book, The Nazi Connection of Islamic Terrorism, to the first caller. You'll be getting a free signed copy of my book, which was published by WorldNet Daily in 2010. So you have the damage done to the black community. You had black mothers, black women, who were paid welfare to separate from or not marry their, their men. Then you had more money paid to black women for having babies out of wedlock. Um, yeah, I'm looking at the, the responses. Um, I think, I mean, someone is emailing me. Uh, by the way, you're welcome to join the program. Um, live here. Um, yeah, I know you have to call to get the free book, The Nazi Connection to Islamic Terrorism. Come on down. Give me a call. Let's go on the air here. By the way, your call will be carried on YouTube and all those syndicates. 617-396-4830. I am doing this wonderful experiment here in live online radio with calls. I'm hoping that someone calls just so I can see if it works, <laughs> if for no other reason. 
317-396-4830. That's 617-396-4830. Please call in. We're live here at Facebook. And again, the program is syndicated on YouTube and iHeartRadio and all the other syndicating uh, subscribers. All right. And it looks like we are getting a call. Hello, you're on the air. Thank you for calling. Try again. I'm sorry about that. Um, there we go. Let me just see. Give a call again um, to, um, here we go. All right. Hello, you're on the air. Can you hear me? All right, this may not be working here. Um, no, there we go. Um, yes, hi, how are you? Good. Yes, I can. Thanks for joining me. Hey, you're very welcome. I've been doing this before, but usually I'm on radio in Texas radio, which is nationwide. Yeah. Um, and you said that what's on people's minds these days? Well, there's, there's a bunch of things right now. We got about 30,000 South Americans, Hondurans, heading our way. Yeah. And uh, President Trump uh, just fired the HHS secretary, uh, from what I hear. Right. And, um, you know, so what's in store for our borders? You know, what's the limitations? What can our troops actually do? Are they going to stop the invasion? If they do, if they do not stop the invasion, I really, truly think that this country will be. Uh, brought down to its knees. Um, we can't afford the welfare system. You're starting to talk. You were talking about welfare. I do not think that this country can afford to uh, hand out welfare to the entire South of America and everybody else in the world. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's an end to our borders. It's an end to our sovereignty. Um, it's an end to our sovereignty. Yes, yeah. it is. And, and, and uh, I ran for Congress twice, by the way, in Maryland. Okay. And, you Good know, experience. it's very hard to reach the people because it takes money. It is. And, you know, this is an issue that just makes common sense. And the the opponents are, their logic is so twisted. They don't really have logic. They won't answer you if you ask them. What benefit does this country get by letting tens of thousands of people enter the country illegally and then go on welfare? I mean, is that a humane policy? Even for them, is it a humane policy? You know, they're, they're, this group, by the way, from what I've read, the caravans are sponsored by some very radical left-wing groups that are trying to erase national borders. They're, they're, they're internationalists. They want to have the one world ant colony. And right. um, we, as any sane sovereign nation, have a right to decide who comes into the national home. We have a right to decide how they come in if we do say they can. You know, this is no different. And I know you. sometimes it's good to bring something down to a microcosm. This is like your right, you the listener, and my right to decide who enters into our private home, who enters into Absolutely. our, right? I mean, the government is acting for the nation because we have- Excuse me for interrupting, but did you, did you also hear about the Maryland red flag law, which is illegal search and seizure without due process? I did not. Talk about it. And the Republican governors are actually trying to put this out there as a platform. 
And, you know, we are against this law, this new law in Maryland. Uh, and we've just had one death already caused by that law. Uh, this is when the, somebody can make a, a draw out a complaint. Okay, it's not a complaint. Uh, give it to the police uh, policeman. Next thing you know, you've got the ATF. You've got everybody knocking and banging that, down your door, uh, raiding your house, taking all your guns, and then and charging you with all kinds of things that they're, you know, they're going to dream up things to charge you with. Oh my God! Isn't it's, there? It's horrible. I mean, this is totally communist. Oh, I mean, it's kind. It's uh, it's it's against the the, the Fourth Amendment now. Isn't doesn't Absolutely. a judge isn't a judge have to give a give the give a go ahead on that? I mean, you know, if you if no, you have, this is this is without due process. Oh, that's an outrage! You don't even, get, you don't even know who your accuser is. That that's horrendous. Can you email me is some information me? about that? I'm going to look into that. Also, email me your address so I can send you off your free copy of my book. Sounds good. I, I just published a book myself. It's called International Love. Wonderful. And I, and my, my wife and I met in the Ukraine by accident, and we went through the entire immigration system legally the right way. She came in, became a lawful citizen the right way. And I tell in my book all the experiences that I went through, and I give out pointers on what to do, what not to do. And um, it's a really it's, it's really cheap. It's actually um, it's in um, Barnes and Nobles. It's an Amazon book. It's called International Love. It's a handbook for American Americans, actually. Mm -hmm. Send me a note. I'll have I you on the show. We can do. We'll do it listeners to read that book if you meet or want to meet somebody from another country and actually come in and bring that person in, in legally the right way no i mean send me a send me a, a note i'll have you on the show where we could do a whole split screen program on it in the meantime send me an email chuck morse number four at gmail.com and um and we'll we'll talk i'll get you off a copy and i really appreciate the call chuck morse with the number four at gmail at gmail okay.com yep gmail okay sounds good excellent thank you thank you all right have a good one thanks a lot all right okay and you're welcome to join the program 617 is our first caller 617 317-396-4830 617-396-4830 Boy, he brought up some good issues. The issue of the caravan, 30,000 people heading for the border, um, the southern border. You know, I've heard the left complain about the fact that President Trump has called the troops out to reinforce the border with barbed wire. Um, you know, oh, it's terrible. They're going to be, it's costing a lot of money. They'll suddenly, suddenly they're concerned about the budget all of a sudden. And they're not going to be home for Christmas. Interesting. All of a sudden, they're so super patriotic and super concerned with our military and its missions. Um, he also brings up an issue in Maryland that I need to look into. Um, he referred to a, a red flag law, which apparently gives uh, police the ability to engage in search and seizure without a warrant and without uh, due process, by which uh, evidence has to be presented to a judge. It's a very serious matter entering into someone's property. And it's it's one that really requires urgency. 
there has to be, you know, evidence that there is an immediate crime that people are at a direct risk, and 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 there has to be a process by which such a a measure can be can be done. Um, the founding fathers were very concerned about this because during colonial times, the British occupying army would just go into people's homes and take over their property, move in, you know, and just, uh, you know, take over everything. So they put this in the Constitution, in the Bill of Rights. Anyway, you're welcome to join the program, 617-396-4830, all right, back to my talk about. Uh, and by the way, we can we can discuss anything that's on your mind. Back to my exposition about how the left has damaged the black community. So we talked about how they damaged black entrepreneurialism and business. We talked about how they damaged the black church morally and spiritually. We talked about how they damaged the black family with welfare, with abortion with the dependency and with the splitting up of marriages. You know, it was none other than, uh, by the way, Lyndon Johnson's Assistant Secretary of Labor, um, Moynihan, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who would eventually move on to become Senator from New York and who was a liberal Democrat, who wrote a paper that's fairly well known in advance of Johnson's implementing the so-called war on poverty which was the origin of this nationalization of welfare. And he said, the black family today is relatively intact. It's something like 80, 85% are married, that black education is relatively intact. I'm gonna get into that in a minute. And that the black family and that black men and women were on their way toward developing a real economic infrastructure and a genuine integration into the American way of life. And that he was concerned that these welfare programs are gonna damage that. He predicted that they would, and he was absolutely right. So you have on top of the welfare piece and the, the destruction of the black family, you've got then children being brought up in a black household where the mother is on welfare, where the mother is getting housing subsidies. And by the way, they say now that the, the public subsidies uh, are up to something like, I mean, the base pay is $20,000 a year. Plus if you add up the housing subsidies and the allowances and everything else, it comes to maybe 35 to $40,000 a year. Why work, right? There's no incentive. But the result is that you have the mother bringing up children male children without a male figure in the house, without a father, without an uncle. The men have been demoralized. They've been driven out of the house. Then, of course, you have the introduction of drugs, which is a whole different subject. How that happened, who was behind that? Let's go there another time. You have the destruction of the church, so you have a diminution of moral standards and ethical standards. The result is, and then you have unemployment because people are getting paid not to work. You, the result is you have idle men. And what is what happens with that? Crime. You know, people have lost their sense of meaning, their sense of independence, their sense of dignity, and deliberately because of government programs 
And so, yeah, you have people who then resort to crime, violence, drug addiction, drug crimes, murders, and and um, every other form of uh, of social dislocation and social negativity. Um, you know, this is um, what's happened to the black community thanks to liberal left-wing racist policies. And then of course the final stand, the final agency that actually is trying to do something to help the black community, the vast majority of whom are still trying to get on with their life, they're trying to get to work, they're trying to have safety, they're trying to pull themselves up, are the police. The police are the ones who are trying to take out these growing numbers of criminals so that everyone else can, can, can get on with their lives. And they were demonized, particularly during the Obama administration, when you had Black Lives Matter, which uh, there is evidence that George Soros was behind that, you know, calling for the killing of police and several police were murdered during the height of that campaign. Now look, Black Lives Matter, I think since then, has reformed, it's gotten better. They're no longer yelling, you know, having riots, you know, pigs in the blanket, fry them, fry them, whatever the hell that was. And then you have suddenly a, a guy who was inspired by Black Lives Matter drive up to New York City and shoot, execute in cold blood while they were sitting in their vehicle, two policemen just went right up to the window and shot them dead um, and, and said, oh, Black Lives Matter has inspired me. Now, it, it, putting aside the fact that that both of these officers happened to be people of color, one of them was Asian, the other was Hispanic, that's not relevant. The fact is that this kind of violence inspired that, this kind of violent rhetoric. And that that this this idea of the, the policeman who goes out and risks their lives to protect the community is somehow trying to target people because they're black. Um, I'm not suggesting that that this wouldn't happen, but to, to smear policemen like that, they are the last line of defense for the black community. I'm getting a, an email here to discuss Agenda 21. You're right, that is a subject for another day. It's a very interesting subject. I actually have had some direct issues with that in terms of dealing with people who advocate that. And they, yeah, that has a lot to do with the fires in California. You know, let's just talk about it briefly. Not to get divert, not to not to digress here, but you know, first of all, it's interesting that since actually the turn of the 20th century, since the administration of, of Teddy Roosevelt, the federal government has controlled, if not outright owned, I think it's about two-thirds of the surface of the United States west of the Mississippi you know, under the guise of the National Forest, and that they have done a very poor job of managing those forests. President Trump is exactly right when he raises this issue. Even the New York Times admits that. I was listening to the uh, podcast on the New York Times. My wife likes that, um, that being Michael Barbaro and his podcast, and he interviewed an expert, and they had said, yeah, that's right, the, the management of these forests is, a, is, is problematic. The fact is that a forest needs to be managed in the same way that any other 
agricultural region needs to be managed. You know, it's like managing a farm or managing your garden in the backyard, your, your vegetable garden. It has to be pruned. It has to be cared for, which means that, especially in a place like California, because it's desert-like climate, you have to go out and, and prune it. You have to take out the dead wood. You have to chop down certain trees, which are either too dry or they're, they're, they're dying. You have to create roads to separate areas so that if there is a fire, it doesn't spread too quickly. I'm not an expert on the subject, but I've read enough about it to know that there are proper methodologies for managing forests and that they reduce fires and that they, which obviously not only helps save lives, but it helps save animals and plants. You know, it's, it's smart environmental policy, but it was stopped by the radical environmentalists who believe in this concept of pristine forest somehow that a piece of land needs to exist without any human intervention that there's a virtue to this which is ridiculous because of course there's human intervention we're here we are supposed to steward over the planet that's what the torah the bible tells us the torah tells us in genesis that we're to steward over nature and um, if anything, I would, you know, maybe it's another topic to think about, but a lot of the ideology behind this pristine nature crowd is pagan. I think it's the Gaia principle. I don't know enough about it to get into it right now, but that's my suspicion about this. And now the people of California are paying a terrible price for that. You know, it's a horrible thing. And... Um, you know, that's that's what I what, what I see. Anyway, I'm reaching toward the end of the program. I wanted to do this for one hour and we're reaching the we got 10 more minutes. So um, to wrap up my, my my thesis with regards to how the left, the racist left has damaged the black community. So you have anti-business, anti-church, anti-family, anti-education with their rotten inner city public schools that teach uh, children how not to read with quack methodologies like look-say reading and whole language, when they know that English has to be taught phonetically since English is a phonetic language, the result is that children are being thrown these, let, you know, num you know um, taught to look at, at letters like they're pictographs, like they're hieroglyphics. So no wonder you have ADD and you've got dyslexia. You know, they're, they're, they're scrambling the minds of our young people. They've turned education into a political soapbox as opposed to a means by which a young person can think on their own and think cognitively and, and actualize their own life. And this is particularly damaging to a black family who has had where there's no father, right? Where they're, they're living under welfare, where there's crime. You know, there's left, the child is getting less attention. So when you add the, the rotten school to that with their quack methodologies, you know, you've got a further destruction of the black community. So that's my thesis on that. And then, of course, the final thrust is that now that in spite of these racist policies, the black community and the minority community has advanced. They have moved into the middle class. 
racism has been reduced as an official policy and even as a real policy. You've got an upper middle class black community that's growing and thriving. And now under President Trump, you've got the highest level of employment in history for African-Americans and minorities. And you've got growing support for President Trump among African-Americans, particularly males. This is something that is a great threat to the left-wing establishment and their use of the final card in their hand. And that is this business of microaggression. It was this, another one of these crackpot sciences that was developed at Harvard, which doesn't surprise me, by a professor named Charles Pierce back in the 1980s, perhaps 1970s, where basically you put a person under a microscope and you try to find a racist gene. Did, are they secretly racist? Do they not know they're racist? Is it unconscious that they're racist? You know, this, this, this inquisition, which is the ultimate manifestation of the worst kind of tyranny and totalitarianism. And I would note that they only use it against their enemies. You'll never see a liberal have to undergo this, this, uh, you know, this colostomy. I mean, this, uh, it's almost like a, uh, you know, like, like putting a probe up, you know, an anal probe to look inside, you know, um, you know, to, to see what is that called? I mean, that, um, you know, that, that particularly men get and women too every 10 years, um, you know, it's like they're looking inside you to see if they can find some secret racist gene. And then they, once they find it, which is the whole thing is bogus. They're then going to hold that up and say, you see, we have found that you're racist. You should be fired. You don't deserve to be in public life. You don't deserve to show your face. I mean, this is complete Soviet style, Nazi style authoritarianism at its worst. And I mean, the only good side to it is that we should maybe realize that real racism has decreased to the point where now they have to make it up. And so that's what they're doing against President Trump. Anyways, I'm reaching toward the end of the program. Um, for the caller who called me, please send me an email. Chuck Morse, number four, C-H-U-C-K-M-O-R-S-E-4 at gmail.com. And I will send you a free copy of my book, The Nazi Connection to Islamic Terrorism available at Amazon. All my books are available there. You might want to check them out. Just put my name in the server, Chuck Morse, M-O-R-S-E, and you shall see that I have published and self-published, I think it's about 15 books now. So uh, I'm not bringing this up to have a shameless plug, but why not, right? Any, anyway, I want to thank you for watching, everyone. Um, I have a guest, I believe, tomorrow. He uh, is talking about um, how the communist, he's a man of the left, by the way, and I want to be very nice to him, but he's written about how the, the witch hunt alleged hit the state of Vermont in, uh, in the 1940s and 50s, simultaneous with the investigation by Senator McCarthy of communism. I didn't realize there were communists in Vermont, at least before Bernie Sanders, but <laughs> anyways, we're going to be talking about that with my guest 
uh, Thursday. And I have another surprise guest on Friday. So stay tuned. Thank you. I'm doing the program Monday through Friday at 12 noon live here at Facebook. Check it out on YouTube. Please join my YouTube network. Subscribe. It's free. And, um, you know, that's the one thing I am trying to do here is build up my YouTube channel so I can begin to monetize it. You need to have a thousand subscribers. Right now, I think last I checked, I have 714. So it's building, but I'm, I'm obviously trying to find ways to continue to build that. So check out the Morse Force or Chuck Morse on YouTube and please subscribe. Anyway, again, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. This is Chuck Morse. Have a good day, everybody.